Hello. Hello. Welcome, everyone. My name is Andrew Krause. I'm one of the two co-founders here at InventRight. Uh, Stephen Key, myself, co-founded InventRight 22, maybe 23 years ago now. I need to check on the exact date. Um, I had some problems with my headset last week um, or with the microphone that's up here. So I'm using this silly headset. If you guys could type in, there's a bit of a delay. Just type in yes if you guys can hear me so we can confirm that. I'm good. Hopefully I don't need to start a second stream like I did last week. All right, great. Margie typed in yes. Fantastic. If one of you hears hears me, then all of you hear me. I'm getting over a um, bit of a cold, so I'm going to be drinking some tea and water throughout this. Um, I'm going to have to end about 10 minutes before the hour because uh, I have an interview that I have to do. And um, as you guys know, I, I talk pretty fast, do rapid um, Q&A, but I'm probably going to be a little bit slower today, but I'm still going to give you guys great advice. So that thing's too hot. Can't drink that yet. Drink some water. Um, so start typing in your questions. As always, the as we go through the hour, the number of people attending just seems to go up and up and up. So I always tell people like last time we couldn't get to all the questions. We got to quite a few of them though. Um, and I said, well, come earlier next time, type in your questions, we'll get to them. But if people always come late, then I can't get to them all. Um, but hey, it's free. Um, so, um, you know. All right, so a few disclaimers. Um, anything I share with you today should not be considered legal advice. Please consult an attorney if you're looking for legal advice. And just to give you guys a general picture, we are all about licensing. So people are like, what's licensing? Some of you regulars I see here, you know what licensing is. But you don't need to raise money. You don't need to hire employees. You don't need to start a business. If you license, the company you license to, it's their money, it's their employees, and it's their existing distribution. That's huge because these are very large companies. Maybe they're in 30,000 stores already. You're tapping into that distribution. You're tapping into those existing um employees, sales, marketing, manufacturing, advertising. Maybe they have 9,000 products, maybe they have 50 products, but they've got that pipeline, they've got the logistics, got everything. So you don't need to raise the money either. You know, you cuz they're going to take they're, they're going to risk their money, not yours. Okay? Sometimes people will spend some money on a prototype or a patent or something. Big crux of the event right approach is we teach people to avoid a lot of those costs. Why get a patent when you can get a provisional patent for 75 bucks and it gives you a year to fish off the pier? Why get a prototype when what you're truly selling is the benefit of your product? Not saying you're never going to make a prototype. It really depends on a case-by-case -case basis. But if you can make a marketing piece, a sell sheet, which is what we call it, and you can have a virtual prototype, we do those for our students. And we've been coaching and mentoring our students for over, over 22 years now. Um, that is is what you're really selling, the benefit of the product. Do a marketing piece, show them what it is. Nobody's going to go, oh, you don't have a working, beautiful, production-ready prototype? Oh, you wasted my time. Like, it never happens to our students. Um, you can always do it after the fact. I'm not saying some of you won't make a prototype. Some of you will have something cobbled together by something you bought at the store. Some of you will do 3D prints, but a lot of our students don't do anything. They just do a virtual prototype. So there's some fun, shocking things to say at the top of the hour. Um, all right, so let's see. All right, so you guys can all hear me, so we're good. I don't hear any see anybody. Last week we had a little bit of an issue, and like I said before, 
I'm getting over a cold. I don't know if I'm over it really. I really have, I'm really have a cold. <laughs> so I'm going to be drinking a lot of water and tea. So just bear with me. Okay, let's get to the first question. Dave said, oh, before I, I jump into the questions, I want to let you guys know if you go to inventright.com, inventright.com, here, I'll type it in the chat here. If you go there in the upper left-hand corner, did that take? What did it go off in the nowhere? There it is. Um, and you click on that link and go in the upper right-hand corner of our website, says free resources. It'll be in the menu if you're on mobile or whatever, but you'll find it. And we got a ton of free resources for inventors, so make sure to check that out. And then if you're interested in coaching, click on the contact us page. You can talk to Sylvia or Dana. They're both super friendly. You might be like, I'm not ready to like make that commitment yet. You can talk to them about how we help and how we guide people. And you might be ready months from now, weeks from now, years from now. We've had people following us for years before they're ready to do it because it's a bit of a commitment to work on your projects. But it's a fraction of what you think it is because when you're licensing, you don't, you're not raising money or hiring employees or running a business. So if you have two to six hours a week, that's enough time to license. That's if we're coaching you or if you're doing it on your own. Um, you, you don't need to like move everything else you're doing in order to do this. Anybody can license on the side. We got plenty of our students that have gone full time with it too. All right. So uh, first question is from Dave. Hi, Andrew. I have some deco artwork for t-shirts and was thinking of using Amazon merch until I read their terms, which it says I give up all rights to my images. Well, that's weird. Okay. I, I don't see how that would be possible, but um, print on demand is a no-go. Any idea on and then um, where to find potential licensees? Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I don't really know what you're talking about. Um, I've never sold like had an Amazon store, you know, cause we're all about licensing. So you're licensing the large, big, large companies. So I wouldn't think that they would own your copyrights. That doesn't make sense to me. So I don't really know what you're talking about there. Um, and you printing t-shirts on demand and then selling them on Amazon, that's not licensing. That's venturing, that's starting a business and selling the product yourself. So, but you're getting to the core of your question, where do you find potential licensees? Um, oh, you also said uh, a note, the sellers at the Walmarts and Amazons are using print on demand. There doesn't seem to be a medium sized company selling t-shirts. Okay. Um, I've, I've, I think we've had a, a few students license. You can license t-shirt designs to a company doing t-shirts. There's a, a, a ton of companies that do that print on demand thing. Like, I mean, back in the day it was Cafe Press. There's other ones. That's probably an out of date one. I haven't looked at them recently. And, you know, I, you know, with licensing, I always say you can have delusions of grandeur and you're not delusional. So for a company to sell 50,000 units, half a million units, 3 million units, it depends on what the product is, right? Is it $500 product, 99 cent product? That's what they do. Like if they're in freaking like not online Walmart, but if they're in Walmart or they're in Target or they're in Walgreens and they're in 30,000 stores, you can think big and you're not delusional because they're big and they can handle it. And that's what they typically do. So when you license them, you can do that. Um, you know, are, are, is there a t-shirt company you can license to that's going to do that massive volume? Yeah, there, there, there might be, but there's a lot of rinky dink ones too that are doing the print on demand stuff. So 
do I see doing a t-shirt with the design as the type of license where you're going to make the big bucks? Probably not because everybody and their grandmother has an idea to throw on a t-shirt, you know, and there's all these print on demand places. But, you know, if you go on one of these sites, how many people are going on these sites where they have print on demand t-shirts and going there and, you know, people go to this, the store, they go to Amazon, they go to the places they already go to, right? Um, are people really looking for clever t-shirts? Yeah, I would say people are, but um, it's not the kind of volume that if you have a new unique gadget or something like that, you, that you would be doing um, that, you're, that you're selling. So t-shirt designs are definitely licensable, but you wanna go where you want your product to sell. So if you want your product to sell, um, you know, at a certain retailer, then you need to license. You, do, you don't, this is one big misperception. People think, I'll approach the retailer. No, no, guys, you don't approach the retailer. You approach the brand that sells at the retailer, okay? So you need a nice big list of companies, Dave, that um, where they sell T-shirts and all the retailers where they sell T-shirts. And then you look at the companies there. You're already starting to analyze, hey, some of these guys, that are selling on walmart.com, not Walmart, are, because you anybody can get on walmart.com, just like amazon.com are, are kind of rinky-dink. Well, you're right. You know, when you're licensing, you're not going to license to just somebody that's importing crap from China, slapping their name on it and selling it um, and selling it on Amazon. You're not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but there are very large companies selling on Amazon too. So a lot of times you want to like copy the name of the product, put it into Google, see if it shows up like on a bunch of different sites, then you know it has legs. Sorry, somebody's texting me like crazy. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. It was regarding the interview. I told you guys I need to leave 10 minutes early. So uh, I got back to him. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Hopefully that's helpful, Dave. Can you license a new t-shirt design? Absolutely you can. In most cases, is it going to be massive volume? Probably not. But if, it's, if it is a manufacturer that does really, really huge volume and you got a really cool design, go for it, man. And I mean, it's copyright protection is automatic on your artwork. But the thing on you're saying the terms on Amazon merch is they own your designs. That doesn't make sense to me. You might have been misreading that. Maybe they do. I don't know. Our students don't sell their products themselves. They're licensing them. We have people that were selling themselves. They're like, I'm 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 in debt. I got talked to a guy that was in a million dollars in debt trying to sell his product himself. Other people, tens or hundreds of thousands. Some people are like, I'm not in debt, but shit, I'm making like minimum wage for all the effort I'm putting in. And then other people are successful moderately or really successful. And they're like, it's really successful people that have been venturing selling the product themselves. They're like, I'm drowning. I know a big company can do better than I can. And because this is doing really well too. So people come to us um, trying to venture their product beforehand doing terribly okay or really well and then i want to license it i don't want to do this anymore whether they're being successful or not wow okay sorry the, the got out of focus there so um you can go from having ventured it now another that brings up the thought a lot of people are like oh i'm gonna get so much more money if i prove that i'm selling this well you know first off 
you know, and then they publicly put it up on Facebook or something. A hundred people liking on Facebook means nothing. You know, you selling a thousand units, that's almost discouraging. If you try to make it and sell it yourself and the company you're going to license it to is going to sell 300,000 units a year. And you're like, I sold a thousand units and you're all proud. And they're like, Ooh, that's all. But you don't, you don't do that. And now in their mind, the sky's the limit. So you got to be careful about that. Um, thinking that you have to make, and it's almost pain in the ass to make something and sell it yourself. And to, for somebody new to get something made, and if you need to get it made in China right now, you might as well just, you know, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like large manufacturers are having a hard time now, the ones you license to, but they get it figured out and they get the product delivered. It's taking them longer than it did before. But there's tons of scammers over there claiming to help you and they just take your money and disappear. Um, there's a long lag time between when you send the money and when it comes over, gets stuck on the boat, is problem. I mean, oh my God, like now it'd be like the worst time in the world to try to get something made overseas in Asia and try to make it and sell it yourself. When you license to that big company, they have those relationships, they have reliable manufacturers, you're tapping into that. So you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to have that stress. Um, Henry said, host. Okay, I guess I'm the host. Um, yes, have a product already designed. And how can one go about getting it licensed? Licensed, I think you mean, if they don't take your class. Well, you can watch our almost 900 videos here on YouTube. Um, you, can, you can get our book, One Simple Idea. Um, if you go to inventright.com and you click on a free resources, there's other resources there. The book's not free, but it's close to free. You can try it on your own, Henry. You know, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're all about, we provide a ton of free information. So watch YouTube show, keep coming back to this live stream. And then if you're not able to figure it out, then, you know, you can hire us as your coach. Um, so, you know, uh, let's see, Derek let's see, have you ever had a product manager like your idea, but then they have their marketing team not know how to communicate the benefits to the public? No, because you wouldn't even get interest then. So the whole approach we teach to our students, and I warned you guys, I'm going to need to drink a lot of stuff here because I got this cold. Uh, it's still pretty hot, but that's good. I'll make it so I don't lose my voice and I can keep helping you guys. Um, when you're approaching companies, you don't need to pitch them. You don't need to be a sales schmuck. We help and guide our students, or coach, the coach will guide the student as to making a marketing piece that they would get in six seconds. Now, that marketing piece isn't for that marketing manager at that company that you want to license to, it's for their customer. So to have a company not be able to communicate the benefits of the product to, um, the public shows me you didn't do your job as an inventor. And I'm wondering why they even showed interest in your product. So you want them to look at your marketing piece and which is a one page sell sheet and say, Oh, if our customers saw this, they would want to buy it. And they need to have that feeling like in six seconds, you're not mentioning if we only get 2% of the market or everybody will want or any of that crap. That's like red flags all over the place. They're like, Oh my God, not one of these inventors. So don't say stuff like that ever. Um, but, you know, if, if you can't help them do the marketing to communicate it, then I'm surprised they're even interested. Now, maybe this is just a fictitious scenario. So, no, we don't really have that problem. Um, 
you know, because they showed interest because they saw that you showed how it was marketable. You showed the benefits of the product to their customer. Okay. Now, could they see the benefits and they're like, oh, but we're still, maybe it's some unique product having a problem relaying it. Maybe but we don't really have that problem. Like if you get interest, you know, it has a benefit and they're, they're interested in the benefit and they believe their customers. Why would they call you? If I was a marketing manager, I wouldn't call you, you know, unless I, I could felt like it could be communicated. So yeah, it doesn't really happen. That's like a weird fictitious scenario. I don't know if that's something you came up with. Or maybe you can type in and say if that's actually happening to you or just theoretical. Um, Chris says, what is an expedited, pat expedited patent track one? Thanks. Um, I don't think you need it, Chris, because so first of all, the approach that we take with our students is you file a provisional patent application. This, this thought that you can only license a product with a patent or even more absolutely ridiculous that you have to have an issued patent is ludicrous. So any company that expects you to file a patent and then wait one to three years for the patent office to get back to you, have office actions, and then issue a patent is, um, is archaic because the product might not even be relevant. So um, what the expedited patent is, you file a patent, you pay extra money. Now, I think if you're over... I don't know what it is, over 65, there's a certain age, I think you can get it for free, or you can pay extra money to have it issue faster, be, be reviewed faster. Why? Our students are licensing stuff all the time with patent pending. In some ways, they don't know what claims you're going to get or not get, so then they can't pick it apart and go, oh, you, don't, you got a weak patent or something. I'm not saying that's a problem, but um, why would you pay for an expedited patent? I could think of, there's always exceptions, but why? It's a waste of money. Um, there's always exceptions where it might make sense, but that doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense to file a patent. Get, use the year the patent office gives you. File the provisional. The next week, you're reaching out to companies. Got a whole year. It never takes a year to see if a company's interested. And you only spend 75 bucks. So why would you file a patent, pay extra money to expedite it on top of that? Because you're under the perception that a company will only license a product with a patent. Our students file PPAs and quite often they're like, well, we don't care about the patent. We'll pay you regardless. And they'll put it in the contract and you can file it if you want. Some of, sometimes they say that. Other times they're like, oh yeah, we, we want that. And you know, it's good window dressing. And other ones are really like, oh yeah, yeah, we have to have that patent. They're all over the map. But, but they don't expect you to have an issued patent. That's, that's the only reason why you might get an expedited patent and pay extra money. I, I, don't, I don't see it really make sense when you're licensing. That was a good question. I, that was kind of fun. I don't, I don't get that one. can't remember the last time I got that one. Certain questions we get over and over and over again. And that one was a new one. So thank you. Um, uh, my two cents is a regular. A new, link, a new link at LinkedIn brought this up. Can you explain how you can have a great product for a small group of people? Okay. So a company won't license it. And venture and venturing will also probably fail. Hopeless. Um, okay, so with licensing, as the inventor, you're getting a royalty on every unit they sell. You're not going to be very happy with those royalties if they sell a thousand units a year, unless it's a twenty thousand dollar product or something, right? Okay, and most products aren't that. Um, so it's all about volume. Now, what I, I think I joked about this earlier. I joke about it frequently. You can have delusions of grandeur on the volume you can sell 
and you're not delusional if you license it to a big company. That's like normal for them. For you to sell that volume with no with no distribution, with no hookups, with no reputation, with no nothing is kind of craziness. But for them to sell that kind of volume is normal. So, and that's what you're going with licensing. Now, it, there's nothing wrong with doing a small licensing deal. You got this little novelty product or something. It's kind of niche and but you do want to look at the numbers i mean if they're only going to sell a thousand units or it's super super niche you're not going to earn a lot of royalties and maybe you're okay with that at the beginning because you're just trying to learn licensing and you think it's a fun product you want to license it now i got my feet wet now i want to license now i'm going to go after products that have higher volume right but it's three things it's not just about volume it's it's the royalty rate people go oh god it's a five it's like a three percent royalty to five or a ten percent royalty rate and they're all obsessed about that but the royalty rate doesn't really mean very much if the volume's so low right so the volume is really really high and you might be okay with a slightly lower royalty rate but you put three things together the royalty rate and the price of the product is it a 99 cent product is it a 500 product and then you multiply that times the volume being done so um you know if if it's a really low volume product now i think licensing is a great business model making something and selling yourself even on a small scale is a giant pain in the ass and inventors that are really into their idea once they get into it they go oh i could get this made and but then they get into the stuff they don't like like the marketing and the sales and the spending tons of money on advertising and retailers and distributors not wanting to give them the time of day because just one rinky dink little small company and yeah you can go on etsy or you can go on ebay and and maybe it works out and you can go on amazon and be lost in a sea of god knows how many other products and not know what the hell you're doing um and then go oh my god this was a mess now all some people are successful with that nothing wrong with that but um and if you're here's the the way i put it if you're more excited about running a business than you are about the product then it might be right for you and you have the time and you have the money and you have the stick to it in this. But if it's more about the idea and you really like the idea, just dump it on another company and they'll handle the money and the workforce and the distribution, take all the financial risk and you move on, you license other products. That's what we're about here at InventRight. So um, if it's a really small market, licensing's not good. Licensing is not good. Now, maybe it's so niche that you could venture it and sell it yourself and nobody really wants to knock you off because the market's so small and you're having fun running this small little business, but you got to be okay with that small little business. And having an idea and running a business are two totally different things. You need to be more excited about running the business than the product itself even, okay? Got to separate those two. And I talk to so many inventors all the time. They get into running a business. They're like, oh my God, this isn't what I wanted to be doing, Andrew, because they just want to get started. Oh, but I could, you know, I could license it. it was, people aren't showing interest. And well, I'll, I could sell this tomorrow. I could sell, I'm like, yeah, you could. You could sell five here and five there. Is that really what you want? You know, I mean, unless you really know how to market and run a business and manage employees who aren't performing and all that crap that you need to do when you run a business. So um, really low volume products don't make sense for licensing. They just don't. But on the positive side, it's exciting. You can dream big and you're not delusional. You're, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. And that is so go for it. Try to license it to a big company. Um, Mike said, who can do my sketch with the numbers near it 
for my provisional patent application if I don't hire a patent attorney. Oh, provisional. Yeah, so we do we do line drawings here at InventRight. If you go to inventright.com and you click on, I think it's Design Studio or something like that. I forget what it says on the menu. And um, we do line drawings for people. And that's a nice thing to do for a provisional. Do some, you know, with a provisional patent, there are no formal requirements. You could scribble on a piece of paper with a crayon and they would take it. You don't want to do that because when you want to need to show your provisional patent to a company, it's kind of nice that they kind of, you have drawings that kind of look like patent drawings because patent drawings for a full utility patent, they need to be done just a certain way or you're screwed. So you need to have a professional patent drafter do that. You don't want to spend that money if you're doing a provisional. But if you can just hire somebody to do some line drawings for you and you can throw the provisional to a marketing manager, they look like patent drawings and it just looks professional. So that's a great thing to do. So yeah, you, you can go to our website, Mike, um, and inventright.com and we do line drawings for people. Um, the other part of his question is it's still permissible to send your invention or product idea to potential companies after filing a PPA. Would that still be called public disclosure? Hell yeah. I mean, that's what all our students do. They file a provisional and then they reach out to companies. Um, it's a little bit of a gray area, but I've never seen anybody get, get in trouble. And most of the patent attorneys I've talked talking to say privately trying to license it and emailing it to an individual company or individual in a company is not considered public disclosure. That's not a legal opinion. I've never had that um, cause people a problem. So um, I've had people where their PPA expired and because they only privately showed it for license, they didn't publicly put it up on a website or anything like that. They just refiled the provisional again because they, they started working on it. They let the pat provisional expire. They filed another one. And if that wasn't public disclosure, they still have, they have the right to do that. So yeah, for the most part, what I've heard is, and not, again, not legal advice, privately showing it for license via email to an individual or company is not considered public disclosure. Throwing it up on a YouTube video, um, public one, putting it up on a website, selling it at a swap meet, getting it in a magazine, putting it up on Facebook. Those are all public disclosure. And after one year, you're screwed. And really, you shouldn't do that. You know, just don't do not do that. Now, I have students that come on board with us. They've been making and selling the product themselves. Okay. And and now they want to license it. Okay. But but you got to look at your intellectual property that can cause a problem if you haven't filed the, pri the proper intellectual property. Um, Man, he's a, Mike has a lot of interesting ones here. Last one from Mike, then we're going to move on to Tony. I Googled it. It's, so first, I'm going to preface this before I answer his question here. It is amazing the misinformation that I see these websites have about particular companies. Because I Googled InventRight, and it was like, wow, that is like so far off the mark. It's not even funny for number of employees and like everything we do, I'm like, where did they get their information? It's, it's hilarious. So Mike uh, Gee said, I Google InventRight coach job salary. It's about a hundred thousand a year. Maybe I can be an InventRight coach one day. Yeah, that's hilarious that that's what you came up with. I'm not gonna talk about what our coach's salary is, but that's just funny that you say that's what you Googled and that's what comes up. Um, it's, it's mind boggling how inaccurate and you need to know that when you're using some of these sites to look up potential licensees and you get information, you assume, oh, that's that's their dollar figures. That's what they do. And it's just bullshit. It's like they just I don't know if an algorithm calculated it, but it's just so far off for our company. 
at least from what I saw, I was like, what, where did you get that? Cause I'm the owner of the company. I'm one of the co-founders I would know. And I'm not going to call them and correct them. They're not going to listen to me anyway. Um, and then like Mike's last question, can an event right student pick their coach or invent right assigns one? Yeah, you, you can pick your coach. Absolutely. Um, and if you have a book to call with uh, Dana or Sylvia, go to InventRight, click on Contact Us, book a call, and they will talk to you. Tony says, I have a product that has every criteria of DRTV item, including a big wow factor. I heard All-Star, that's a, one of the DRTV, as seen on TV companies, is shifting from big wow factor items to moving more towards product lines. Yeah, we had... Um, we interviewed Trish over there from All Star for a Bridging the Gap program, and they said they were looking. They they want the Wow Factor ones, but they also want products that are a nice addition to their product line. So, for example, you know they have a line of pet products, they got a line of kitchen products, like a product that would fit in there, and not just one like standalone products. But if it's a new product, they would want it to have potential for a whole product line. And that's not typical for DRTV. That's changing. DRTV infomercial companies are, are changing. I, I don't know. You could think about stuff like that all day, Tony. Just submit and find out. Um, and most DRTV products I've found like, okay, it's an as seen on TV product, but it could be a standard consumer product too. So quite often our students will have a list of standard consumer product companies, like let's say companies making kitchen gadgets, kitchen gadget, and then maybe five DRTV as seen on TV companies. And I would say, go to the as seen on TV ones and then go over here. But you know, one company, if you guys reach out to one company, so let's say, I'm not saying you're doing this at all, Tony, but um, let's say, oh, I've heard of All Star, I've heard of MetRight talk about them. Uh, I'll just go to All Star. Well, no, you will never license anything if you go to one company. We guide our students to reach out to 20 or 30. Some of our students for some projects are reaching out to 40 or 50. So if you don't play the numbers game, you'll never, um, you'll never go anywhere. You, you got to play that numbers game, guys. And you know that goes back to you don't work on a project that only has three potential licensees. Now, a lot of times, inventors will go, oh, these are the three companies, and I'm like. Yeah, those are three companies, but just I could just tell by looking at that thing that you're gonna have at least 30. And they people don't know how to make their list. And it's different for every product, but our coaches guide our students to do that. Um, uh, my two cents, I've been typing up my short and long description of my product in WordPad to send my product info to Hasbro portal after the show, all thanks to InventRight. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, Paul says, hi, Andrew. I have another inventor license. If another inventor licenses an improvement or a different version of your product to your licensee, how are, their, how are the royalties assigned? Are they split? Um, okay, so in Paul's fictitious scenario, I'm assuming, he licensed... Um, kitchen cutting board to a company that makes kitchen accessories, okay? And I'm assuming he's filed a provisional patent, maybe got some protection on that. So what he's worried about, which I have literally never heard of happening, I can give you one scenario though, that was kind of interesting, um, is another inventor comes in, approaches his licensee, the company he licensed to, and says, I've got an improvement on this. Well, first of all, if you really did a thorough job with your provisional, you should think about those improvements, workarounds, 
um, ahead of time and you put them in your provisional and maybe later in a patent if you filed it. Um, maybe later, you know, the product's selling well, the company's doing well with it. The one thing that you need to do as an inventor, the most important thing is keep on top of it. So when you when I look at our students that have licensed, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 products, every single one of them have licensed multiple products and extensions to products they already licensed to companies. So think, keep thinking about what's the next version of this? What's the product line extension? File provisionals on that and show it to the company so you're beating some other inventor. But if you've got it covered with, even though that's not, maybe you showed it to them, maybe you don't, you could be covered with whatever patents or provisionals that you've filed. It's one of those scenarios that I've never seen that be a, problem. I've never, we've had students in 65 countries over 23 years. Um, I've never seen that happen. So people come up with these very unique, kind of fun, titillating scenarios that's just not a problem. So my advice to you, Paul, if you license a product to a company, always keep on top of it. Keep showing. They may not want to license those line extensions to your product or other variations or things, but show it to them. So I would just keep showing it to them. You know, you can even show them several ones. You've got a relationship with them. They've licensed it and they're selling it. So, and then I, I really don't think that would be a problem. I've never seen it in all these years. So some of these people, they come up with these scenarios. And I like that you're coming up with these. It keeps it interesting for me. But um, I'm like, oh, well, here's how I'd handle that. But I've literally never seen that in 23 years. So that's like getting struck by lightning, right? Um you know, so do you need to worry about the get struck by lightning stuff? I think that's a big thing that our coaches do. A student will have a worry and the coach is like, oh, yeah, that could totally happen. But then we just do this and this. And they have another worry and the coach is like, I've literally never seen that. But if it happened, we do this and this. So you start to learn what is normal and how to deal with it. And then you might have questions and the coach is like, that would be a complete anomaly. And once you start knowing what anomalies are and what is typical, then you can get in the right mindset. Like any professional that worries about weird things that happen once in a million years is not a professional yet, right? But you, it takes a while to get there. So it's, it's okay to ask these questions. If it's something that you're worried about, you got to get over that. Um, but sometimes inventors are so creative with the problems they perceive or they experience something with a company once and they, and they, they tell me, well, Andrew, like I experienced this company, so this is how it is. I'm like, no, that's an anomaly. And now they're assuming with the very small sample size of experience that that's typical. And they, so don't do that to yourselves. The biggest piece of advice I can give you guys is don't experience something once or twice and then assume it's, or especially not once, and assume that's the case. I see inventors outside InventRight or just fans of ours doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we would know. We've been doing this forever in a day. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, hostile Mick, Mick, MG Toe. Uh, how, that's their handle. How do I license an invention to a company that I only have sketches of? Um, you don't. You create a sell sheet, which is a one-page advertisement for your product, and get yourself a nice rendering that looks beautiful. You can't send a hand sketch that's you have to show them how they're going to market it so for our students we do the sell sheet the marketing piece and we do um, a virtual prototype so then you'd be fine but don't send a sketch don't do that 
Michael says, um, this is a different Michael. I think it was, was a, maybe there wasn't Michael before. I'm working on my first invention. And at the startup phase, I have a prototype and I'm looking for an angel investor. I need your help on how to go about it. Well, license the product, Michael. You don't need to raise a dime if you're going to license it. So this channel is all about licensing it. So it's that big company's money, their workforce, and their existing distribution. You don't need an angel investor. You get it all in one place when you license to that brand that's already in all the retailers where you want to be. So we don't guide people to get angel investors, or I call it sometimes uh, venture or vulture capital. Um, and, uh, you know, the vulture capitalists, they're not going to give somebody that hasn't doesn't have experience running a business half a million dollars to start a business. Sometimes you can get money from angel inventors, but they look at you too and go, uh, angel investors, and go, this guy has no experience running a business. I don't care how great this product is. I'm not going to give him money. Um, but you can get raise it from family and friends. So you have to decide if you want to license it and receive royalties or start a business. A lot of people don't understand that licensing exists. So maybe I don't think I recognize your name before. If this is the first time that you've heard about licensing, keep watching our YouTube show, read our book, One Simple Idea, educate yourself about licensing because those are the two paths. You get to decide which path's right for you. I'm biased, but licensing I've found for the vast majority of inventors that I talk to, once they understand the benefits, the upsides and downsides of each, they choose the licensing path. Very low financial risk, something you can do with a full-time job. You can't start a business, guys with a full-time job or even a part-time job. You got to dump everything else you're doing and you got to put money in and nobody's going to give you money unless you put a bunch of money in yourself. When you're licensing, you don't have to do any of that. So um, let's see, Shredding Sleds, that's their handle. I've been writing down ideas for years and the list has gotten quite long. Is there a person that can help point me in the right direction for all of these, like an invention firm or a manager? So. Um, we, you can do a kickstart call with us or an evaluation call. We've got these 90-minute calls. If you go to inventright.com and click on services, and you'll be doing with our head coach, Terry O'Mara. Um, I would suggest there's an onboarding survey for that 90-minute call, and then you, you whittle it down to maybe like five or eight. Um, and, and then he can help you figure out which one would be right to license first. And he can give you the upsides and downsides of each, and you're like, I totally thought it was number three, but he's telling me it's number two, and he gave me reasons why. Now, when we're with our students, um, you might need to do another call then because our coaches aren't wizards. Our coaches base their opinions based on market facts. So if you have market facts, if you have some research on these products, and I can help people sometimes without that research um, because it's just kind of obvious. But a lot of times the coach will tell the student, well, this is my gut on this, but I need you to find this, this, and this. That's what else is in the marketplace so we can see if your product fits in. So you need those facts. Nobody on the face of the planet is an expert in all product categories, nor do our coaches need to be, because they know how to help you gather the facts and then help you assess which projects are more viable than others. Okay. So, um, so yes, we can absolutely do that. I would say our evaluation call on our website, that would be perfect for you. Um, maybe even, um, yeah, give you some criteria to kind of whittle it down to like five or eight and then pick one. Cause you, you're not going to be working on six projects when you're all new to this. Right. But we, we can do that. We, we do that for our students without a doubt regularly. 
Um, a lot of our students are like, no, I really want to work on this one. This is it. But yeah, I got other ideas. And the fact that you guys are going to teach me how to do this and I can do it forever. Great. I love that. Um, but I just got to be this product. And then other people are like, oh, it could be any of these. And we're like, oh, great. Let's let's pick it. Let's go through them. Let's um, let's analyze them. OK, so we can do that for you. Um, I'm not sure what this one means, Margie. Should we even pursue WM? I don't know what WM is. Sorry, I'm I'm a little spacey because I'm sick. So, um, but if you guys, anybody, can you tell me what you mean by WM? I'll page down to the bottom in a minute after I move on to other questions. Oh, okay. There's a, a part before that. Sorry. Hey, Andrew, I saw Stephen's interview with the woman who was a buyer for Walmart. I can't recall her name right now, but she said any licensing contracts with WN require the licensor to indemnify. Oh, Walmart. Okay. Um, well, first off, I haven't seen Stephen's interview. We move kind of hard and fast, right? Stephen doesn't watch all my videos and I don't watch all his. Um, you know, you, when I don't know how old that video is, but a buyer at Walmart. So, you know, that's not, Walmart's not going to license your products. So I, I haven't watched that video. So I'd have to go back and watch it to really properly answer your question. So like we said, you don't license to a retailer, you license to the manufacturer that sells to the retailer. Usually retailers want to reduce cost in generic items. So like Target might have towels or standard wooden chairs or things, and they might get them manufactured themselves, but they don't really innovate. They don't make their really cool gadgety products. Like they, when they make their own products, um, the gadgety stuff is kind of risky. They'd rather buy from somebody else and then they just stop ordering if it doesn't sell. But retailers typically, it's not always the case, but 98% of the time they're not innovating. So approaching a retailer to license your product is kind of a waste of time. There's always exceptions. Um, sometimes people will go to Walmart or go to Home Depot and, and they, they, they see it as a brand that's selling there and they don't realize that's the store's house brand. So it is possible, but I don't think we've ever had a student license to a retailer's home brand. And I haven't watched Steven's video. I don't know if that was eons ago. We got almost 900 videos, guys. So I can't really say. Um, okay, uh, I saw down there at the bottom, Richard. T.Y. said, how often do you go live? We do this every Monday, T.Y., so um, welcome to come back next Monday. Um, so sorry, Margie, if I can't answer your question. I haven't watched the video, but generally what I just said is, is true. Um, we're going to quit in about seven minutes because I got an interview to go do. Before I quit, I just want to say for everybody that's here, if you could do me a favor, if you're not subscribed to the channel, go ahead and subscribe and click on the notification button. That's your way of saying thank you to me for answering your questions basically for free. Um, also give the, the show a thumbs up and watch more of our shows and give us a thumbs up if you like it, give us a thumbs down if you don't um, and and start and comment, you know, so that's how you can, you can help us. And uh, we don't get back to everybody in the comments, but quite a few people we do. Um, uh, let's see. Je Jock, or maybe Jack, Jock. Um, how can I find a manufacturing company to make my product idea? I have a provisional right now trying to get a non-provisional from a pro bono lawyer. Well, Jacques, uh, you don't need to find a company. If you license it and 
you want to receive royalties as opposed to starting your own business and manufacturing yourself. You don't need a manufacturer. The licensee is your manufacturer. They have the manufacturing and the distribution and the money, and you don't need to find a manufacturer to make the product. If you're manufacturing your product yourself and you don't have money for a patent, you should not be manufacturing the product yourself because you're mentioning you need a pro bono lawyer. Guys, that means that he's trying to find an attorney that can do his patent for free. That's just a waste of time. You know, you don't need that when you're licensing. You file a provisional patent. You can use the software, the smart IP software on our website at inventright.com. Buy it for 99 bucks. And then to file a provisional, it's only 75 bucks. So why do you need a pro bono lawyer? And, you know, if you're going to be manufacturing and selling the product yourself as opposed to licensing, which is what we're all about, um, if you can't afford a patent, you should not be trying to sell the product yourself. Most people need hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a product and sell it themselves. And most people run out of money even with that. So that's my take on that. Hopefully that's helpful. Um, Michael said, what is the best way to get a non-provisional patent? Um, well, first get a provisional patent and then only get a non-provisional patent when you have interest from a company that you want to license to. And quite often you can get them to give you the money as an advance on royalties or just in advance. And then you take that and give that money to your attorney. You go, hey, I filed this provisional. I need to upgrade it to a full utility. That's the smart way to do it. So you're, you're, you're not risking $10,000, $12,000 for a patent. There's not necessary. So that's, that's my best approach there. Um, Okay. Spencer says, hey, Andrew, can you dive in more into the differences and similarities of independent licensing and the product design or developer career path? I don't know what that means. Can you do both? So independent licensing, okay. You're a product developer or independent inventor, whatever the hell you want to call yourself, doesn't matter. You're a person with ideas and companies need ideas and corporate America doesn't always stimulate creativity. So you guys are always looking at it differently than they do, right? So then you license it to them, right? And and you're saying, and product design, what's the difference between that and product design or developer career paths? I, I don't know what you mean by that. I mean, there are people that are classically trained as product designers. They went to school. Um, the vast majority of our students, 95% of our students, 98% of our students are not, and they're able to license. So whether you have design skills or you don't, and when you don't have the design skills, there's certain products that you just couldn't take on. But it's amazing what our students, our students, everyone from housewives to astrophysicists, doing everything from gadgets and gizmos to advanced medical devices. And so sometimes it's a complicated product, but your improvement's not that complicated and you can handle it. You have no design, no engineering background, no nothing. So I think the difference, if that's your question, Spencer, um, between an average, an inventor that's licensing their products and a product designer um, might be that they have some skills that you don't have, but you don't have to make, you don't, you can just pay somebody to do a virtual prototype. That's what we do. Um, so can you do both? Um, I, I don't fully get the question, but hopefully that was a little bit helpful. Uh, okay. We got a few more minutes. Uh, hey, Andrew, when reaching out to European companies from InventRight Connect, like Berghoff, is there a language barrier issue? Um, you know, so a lot of European companies will have an American, um, arm. So if they do, I'd reach out to the American, um, office, their corporate office, then you're not going to have the, the language barrier. 
It's amazing how many, we've had a lot of European companies come on our Bridging the Gap talk, marketing managers, CEOs, talk to our students. And they might have like, I think one guy had a really strong French accent. Another guy was Spanish. He had a pretty strong Castilian accent, but they, a lot of them speak English. So I don't really see that as a problem. I will say that you're a lot more likely to license to an American company or a European company that is big in the US than a company that is only in Europe. I mean, if that if that European company has, has offices here, reach out to the American office. If they're only in Europe, you know, it's it's not the language barrier, but um, strictly European companies are still a little bit more old fashioned. American American companies like they're just we have this thing in America that we believe anybody can make it, you know, and in Europe, they're still a little more traditional. Who are you? Oh, you're just an individual. You're not a company. Um, what are your credentials? Nobody asks you for that in America, including the European companies that are in America, because quite often there's Americans working there. So we have this thing in America that anybody can make it. It's just a good idea. And I have plenty of students that license to companies in Europe, but it's a lot less common to license to a European company that's only in Europe as opposed to one that's in Europe and the U.S. That's much more common. And it's still even more common to license to American or Canadian company. But if, if I don't care where the company's from, if they're selling in the U.S., to me, that's the same as a U.S. company, okay? But if they're only selling in another country, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be harder by and large. And I would never, let's say you're in Europe or you're in the U.S., I wouldn't strictly focus on companies that aren't also in the U.S. If there's a few of them, that's fine. Go for it. We've had students do do deals with, with companies overseas. No, no problem. Um, and, and language could be a barrier, but I really haven't found that to be the case. Um, we're kind of lucky as English speakers. A lot of people speak English. I'm always um, envious and I admire people that speak multiple languages. Most people in Europe speak two, three languages. You know, they're not like Americans. So I, I haven't really found that to be a problem. Uh, okay, so we hit uh, 450. I couldn't get to all your questions as every time that I, I would say this, I, I've got an interview to go do. Um, if you want to get your questions answered, come in earlier at the top of the hour because um, you guys know what it is. That's why I click on the subscribe and the notification button so you get noticed and you notified. And you know it's the same time. It's at four o'clock every Monday Pacific time, US time. And you got to change for your time zone. I know some people, I'm so used to time zones because we have students, have said students in over 65 countries. But some of you are like, so four o'clock Pacific, what would that be Eastern? Well, that's seven Eastern, right? And it's six Central and it's five Mountain time, you know, so you get the idea. Uh, you can find a time zone converter and come on back earlier and I'll answer your questions. Um, I really enjoyed um, answering your guys' questions today. Please go to inventright.com, click on free free resources, sign up for stuff there um, and click on contact us if you'd like us to help you out or just like to talk to an advisor about how we can help. Been doing this forever. And look at the testimonial page. It's really impressive, all the students that have licensed products. And even if you're like, I don't want to sign up with Inventright, but it'll just be inspirational to you go, oh, this is totally doable. You know, so look at the testimonial page. I can license it. Maybe just keep watching our YouTube show or you read our books or stuff. But we are here to help you regardless if you're a student or not. And I'll remind you to guys, take care and keep inventing. See you guys. Bye.